Episode 69 of the Juice Box Podcast is brought to you by Insulin, makers of the Omnipod, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. This episode is with Carolyn. She came on the podcast a while ago and recorded this, and I keep putting it off because something keeps coming up. And when I listened back to it this week, I realized I wish I would have gotten it out sooner. She was initially misdiagnosed with type 2 diabetes, which means um, as an adult, she has right now latent autoimmune diabetes, LADA. And I know that might not be something that you think has a lot to do with your life. And maybe you're like, oh, I can skip this episode. It's not really about me. But Carolyn's life is, I mean, this girl has had her lion's share of things go wrong for her. And it's, I almost, I actually guess I did laugh once or twice while we were talking because I half expected like a meteor to fall on her or should get hit by a car in her living room. I mean... Just one thing after another went wrong for this poor girl, and she has a really fantastic attitude uh, and is doing really great. So, you know, it's a little look at a different side of diabetes, but it's in the end, it's a it's a conversation with a person who's trying to learn how to use insulin and, and trying to figure out their life with this disease. So I think it's well worth your time. All right, settle in. Here we go. Okay, so... Um... I'm Carolyn, and I was diagnosed last July. Um, as a kid, I'd kind of always been sickly. I uh, got lots of strep throat, ear infections. Um, things got a little bit better when I was in high school, and I was a lot more active. I um, got into college and um, started getting like skin-type infections because I was around a bunch of people I didn't know. And then... Got married and some of that stuff started coming back, got more sick, and then eventually ended up getting these stomach pains that I had when I was in middle school. And um, that was a couple of years ago, and it got to the point where I just went to my primary physician. She was like, there isn't an organ on your left side that would be causing any of this. So she sent me to a GI specialist. Um, He did a bunch of tests, couldn't find anything. And then eventually, come that July, I'd gotten a second, another secondary infection after having either a skin infection or a sinus infection, can't really remember, and um, went to my urgent care facility. That's a part of my primaries network. And the nurse practitioner walked in because I thought I had had a urinary tract infection and goes, did you eat anything really sweet or drink anything really sweet before you came in today and I was like well I've been sipping on a soda because I didn't feel well and I was having some abdominal pain and she goes well there's glucose in your urine and I want to go ahead and run a um, blood sugar check on you Um, I was at 250 and um, then they went ahead and checked my a1c and so I found out a couple days later that I was at 6.3 went back with my primary and they thought I had type two. So they started me on metformin. However, my dad's a type one diabetic. And when I went to the follow-up appointment with my parents, they took me, my mom was like, you know, they're getting ready to start a family. I really want her to get a good endocrinologist. So my doctor put together a referral package um, to the current endocrinologist that I have now. And my endocrinologist looked at my charts and I think I was a little bit I think my case was interesting enough. That's that's why she went ahead and took me. And so about eight weeks later, when I went in and saw her for the first time, she goes, you don't look like a type 2 diabetic to me. Um, I Yes, I was overweight, but with my family history and um, the way my results and stuff were looking, 
she ran a series of antibody tests and they came my G A D antibodies, or I'm going to, I got to look up the clinical term forms. So it's, let me stop it. Sorry. No, that's fine. Who's there? Oh, it's my uh, golden retriever. I was petting him and then he decided he needed to get in the way. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but anyways, the, my GAD antibodies and it's the glutamatic acid decarboxylase antibodies is the full name for them, came back positive. And from there, I was diagnosed as a type type one and a half-ish. Um, close, I'm probably closer to a type one, but for this, I'm considering myself a latent autoimmune disease in adults. So my first so question- That's kind of the diagnosis of it. That's fa- most of that is fascinating, and a lot of it I felt bad for you as you were describing. And and so, but let's break it down a little bit. So, um, I guess my first question is: you talked about being just sick as a child, and 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 through your teens, and even into college, and everything. But you said one thing that 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 threw me off for a second. You were like, I started getting kind of like skin. I don't know if you called them like like rashes or disorders from being around like people you didn't know. Is that um, is that like a so do you look back now and think of yourself as a person with like autoimmune issues in general? Yeah. If you, yeah, I was being, we've kind of played with it. My parents even had me tested for diabetes a couple of times as a child. Cause I would wake up and I just didn't feel well. And since dad had all of his blood sugar stuff, he'd be like, don't eat anything when you get up tomorrow morning and I'll check your blood sugar. And they were, and as a kid, they were fine. But yeah, when I was in college, um, so when you were around, like when you live in close quarters with people from all over the country, you're exposed to different, like, um, say how to try to explain this. So everybody has like bacteria and stuff on their skin that you carry around that you're already kind of immune to. Right. So when you are around other people from other parts of the country, they are carrying stuff that you don't necessarily have a resistance to. Right. You're not accustomed. Your body's not accustomed to it because you right. haven't seen it before. Okay. And since you are in close quarters, you know, the cleaning staff, they tend to use pretty high powered disinfectants. Mm -hmm. So then the only stuff that's left is the stuff that's really gross. And I actually ended up with a staph infection under my arms, like in my armpits. So, okay. So that that makes more sense. Are there other autoimmune issues in your family besides your father's type one? Uh, so my mom's, uh, my mother's, Mothers, so my maternal grandmother's brothers were type 1. My grandfather on my mom's side is type 2, and my sister has a low thyroid. So You almost had no chance. Uh, almost. <laughs> <laughs> and, then on top of, and on top of that, my mom had gestational with me, which also then um, increased my risk as well. So Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay, so that, <laughs> that is a lot. But, but So my next question ends up being, so you're at the doctor's, Somebody puts you on, you know, metformin first says, hey, you have type 2 diabetes. I'm assuming that's a knee-jerk reaction to just your age and and the fact that probably your A1C wasn't too high, your blood sugar wasn't too high when they caught it. Um, what, what Do you know what, it, what the factors were that caused the next endo to say, I don't think that you're a type 2 diabetic? Um, so I was, um, at the time, I was um, probably about 25 pounds over, I was only about 25 pounds overweight. Um, my father is type 1, and um, children of a type 1 diabetic male are actually more likely than if the parent, if the mom is type 1. 
to end up with it. Oh, I, and I didn't, I'd never heard that I, before. Yeah. And then they also, I think the other thing was they also ran um, C peptides um, on my initial diagnosis. And I haven't quite figured out what the relationship is, but people with type 2 have high C peptides in their blood. And, and this was and something I, you didn't have. Oh, go ahead. And you didn't have that when they ran the test. Right. Okay. And so, so she stunned, then she thinks maybe this is the issue and you get moved on to insulin off of the metformin. Uh, so that's, so that's the other part of type one and a half, um, or LADA that I've got is, um, my blood sugars were actually really well controlled on the metformin for, um, when I first started. And so I was just taking 500 milligrams and they were, um, I went and saw her CDE attached to her office and they were going to start me on just small doses as I needed it. But I'm like, I'm getting ready to run a half marathon. And they were like, oh, so they kind of backed off. And for about the first six and a half months, I wasn't on any insulin at all. And the metformin and diet and exercise okay. were really what uh, kept it under control. And and that did work. Your, your blood sugar stayed kind of where you wanted it to. And- yeah. So yeah, I think Three months or three months or so after the initial diagnosis, I had gone down to five nine, and then the last few appointments they've gone back up, and my last one was six six, and I wasn't too happy about that. So, 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 <laughs> what got them to move you from the from the metformin to to see? You know what it's to like, the oh to the insulin? Yeah, but but at the same before you answer that, my it's interesting like. When, and I don't know, I hear everybody says it differently. Like, what do you say? Is it LADA? Do you call it LADA? Um, I t- you know what? It's because my case is so, like, there's a lot of stuff going on with it. I just tell people I'm a type 1. Yeah, because because you're describing, it sounds like a science experiment almost on the doctor's side. You know, they're almost like, hey, you're type 2. Well, no, you're not. You're type 1. But we can stay with the, you, but you're type 1 and a half. So we'll stay with the, we can, but we can stay with metformin. No, we can't stay with metformin. Like they're just, it feels like they're just throwing things at the wall <laughs> to see what'll stick while you're waiting to find out what's going on. Yeah. So um, I don't, so I check my blood sugar quite a bit. And um, as my disease has progressed, I have called my CDE and been like, hey, you know, I'm waking up with blood sugars that are in the 140s. So then, or when I started my insulin, I was like, I'm 150 after lunch and it's not coming down with like just going for a walk or anything. So, okay. So, yeah. so you, geez, it is really confusing. Are you confused by it? Oh, I was, but because I've been living with it for over a year now and as the disease keeps progressing, I've learned just to figure, you know, if it's, if I'm hot, if something, if I'm high or something's not changing for more than a week, then I, uh, or something looks like it's out of control for more than a week, I call the CDE and then we start playing with numbers again. And, and when you call, when you say like out of control, you're talking about like, like blood sugars where? Uh, so for instance, I just started metformin about two weeks, two to three weeks ago, not metformin, sorry, Levamir, uh, about two to three weeks ago. So about the week before that, I was waking up with blood sugars in 180s, 200s, and then when I would correct, like at breakfast, I was dropping down into like the 50s, like pretty quickly within a couple hours. And then they would go back up after eating lunch, and then so it was kind of this roller coaster all day of really high blood sugars to really low blood sugars. So after about a week of that, I called and they started me on Livamir. 
So were you using fast-acting insulin without slow-acting insulin for a while? Uh, yes. For, let's see, I started my Novolog in February, and this was October, so about six months. So for six months, you were just injecting for meals or for, right. or for blood sugars? Uh, for meals. For meals. Okay. Would you yeah. adjust a high blood sugar if you saw it afterwards? With more well, because well because of your podcast, I uh, there were a few times that I was able to I could I started doing that, but because I take such little insulin, uh, like a half a unit, like really sends me one way or the other, can really send me down pretty quickly. Wow. Okay. So you were so initially what they were saying was they were giving you some sort of a scale. You were counting. Were you counting carbs? Or uh, no, I'm kind of starting to do that now that I am been on the insulin a little bit longer. So when I first started, it was like, just take like a half of unit if you're over like 150 before you eat. Okay. So it's very, yeah, like, like kind of a bastardized sliding scale idea. Yeah. But yeah, because I needed such little insulin. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then you, then you started thinking to yourself, well, I'm still high. Maybe more insulin would help. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there were a couple of times that I didn't even call the doctor. I was like, Especially near the beginning, I was like, you know what? I'm high before I'm eating every single meal. We're just going to take a unit of insulin before every meal and see what happens. So, did you have more luck with that? Yeah. Cool. All right. So, I mean, in the end, if your blood sugar is high, you probably don't have enough insulin. So, yep. yeah. And so, okay. So, wow. I'm trying to wrap my head around this. We, <laughs> should, we shouldn't have done this on a Friday. I'm, I, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'm not prepared. Um, but, I'm, but it's really interesting because it's, it's very much unlike... It's it's very much almost exactly like and in some ways completely different than what happens to a lot of people uh, with just type 1 or type 2 even. So, okay. All right. So you are on – now you're on slow acting. You have a slow acting insulin going and, mm -hmm. you're, and you're using a fast acting insulin at meals and, and to try to affect high blood sugars. Yep. Is that working better for you now? Uh, yes. It is. Okay. Yes. Do you ever have moments where you just don't need insulin? Does that ever happen? Um, yes. So I am still like doing half and full marathons. And so my sister and I went out on a 16 mile uh, training run, although we don't run like a full 16 miles. We take the Jeff Galloway run walk method. Mm -hmm. And so that was in the evening. I came home. I took I had dinner kind of late. Um, I took a unit of insulin with my dinner because of what I knew I was having. And then I was pretty tired and I was just ready to go to bed. So I didn't even bother to take my Levomir. I was like, I'll just turn my Dexcom down to like 130. So if it goes over 130, it'll wake me up and let me know. And then I'll take my Levomir in the middle of the night if I have to. So. so you're very much reacting to what's happening with the diabetes right now. Like you're not, you're not on the offensive side, really. It's more... It's more like, let's wait and see what happens, and I'll take this if I need it. And if, because if I don't need it, I'm going to get low. How low is low? I mean, um, I have dropped into the 40s, I think. Um, I stacked my insulin, like when I was real. So this summer, I stacked my insulin because I didn't know that's what I had done, but I woke up in the middle of the night sweating and I was at 38. So that's pretty low. Um, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I just heard you say Dexcom. So you started a CGM recently, is that right? Yes. So yeah, when I um you, when you and I emailed back and forth the first time, I um that was my first Dexcom change. So I had only been on the Dexcom for about a week. 
Oh, so you're still you're still very new to it. Yeah. So yeah, I just finished up my first box of sensors and we'll start the next box on Tuesday. And what's the how's it been helping you or or has it been helping you so far? Oh, it's uh, it's been actually it's been great. Um because well, like I said, I've you know, I've had the issue where I've I ran a long time and I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen overnight. So I ended up getting low in the middle of the night, so it woke me up and I was able to go get a snack. Um but even a couple nights ago, I was running a little bit lower in the middle of the night and I didn't want to, I was ready to go to bed, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to eat anything to try to bring it back up. I was like, let's just see where it is. Cause I'd already had a snack earlier. So I set the Dexcom a little bit lower, woke up in the middle of the night, took my long acting insulin, reset it to where I would normally keep it. And it beeped me again so then I just took another shot of insulin to get it back down so I would wake up where I wanted to wake wow. up. Wow. And so and, and, <laughs> wow. Okay, so you're jeez, that's sounds like I you know what, just so everyone knows, what's the dog's name again? Uh the one that is crying is Duffy. That's delightful. Usually yeah. right before I called you, Basil was about 20 feet to my right <laughs> cleaning his paws so loudly that I thought I was going to have to contact you and say, I think we need like, I'm going to have to wait five minutes to call you until he's finished grooming himself. Um, but he thankfully got done right in the middle. Um, okay. So, wow. I, I really am for the first time as I'm talking to somebody, you just gave me a lot of information and none of it really makes complete sense to me. <laughs> and <laughs> welcome to the world of type one and a half. <laughs> oh, no kidding. That's, it's just insane. So, what is, all right, so your best understanding, and you haven't been with it very long, but what do they tell you that one and a half means? I mean, um, wh why are you just not type one? Why are you just not type two? Um, so the best to my understanding of what I've been able to find online, because I actually, I, I prepped for your podcast because I wanted to make sure I could answer this question. Um, <laughs> you know what? So, I have to be honest with you. I don't really prep that much. You probably shouldn't put that much effort into it, but go ahead. <laughs> Um, but basically the biggest difference is the, uh, is the onset of the attack on the beta cells. So the way I've been thinking about it to kind of prepare people for my answer is so people could maybe understand it. Like think of being in a war and then like, so for a, for like a regular type one diabetic, like for someone like Arden, the attack was kind of like an all out assault and just it happened really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's kind of like being tortured to death. Um, the cells are still, I still have uh, cells that are functioning. So um, I can keep myself pretty much in like overnight and in the morning. It, my blood sugars don't really move a whole, whole lot unless I have food in my system. But, um, and if I'm sitting around not doing a whole lot, they don't really move a whole much. They don't really move a whole bunch. Um, because I still have beta cells that are still functioning. And sometimes even when I can eat, I can see on my Dexcom that my blood sugars are still going down because I'm still producing a little bit of insulin. Um, so they're just slowly, my immune system is killing off the beta cells or the beta cells are not functioning. So what the insulin is doing for me right now, it's, it's giving the beta cells that are still functioning a break. It's kind of to help relieve them and to relax them so they're not going to die off as fast. Uh, but the expectation is that at some point you'll be insulin 
I'll be full, yeah, you'll fully, yeah, fully insulin independent. Independent, okay. Yeah. But there's no indication from doctors about the length of time that is. No. So some of the research um, I was doing says, you know, people will be insulin dependent, you know, insulin dependent within a couple of, within a few months, kind of like me. I was on insulin starting in, you know, about seven, six and a half months, seven months in. And some people, um, you know, they're diagnosed as type two and they're still on metformin for years before they actually get the right diagnosis. So, so. I'm going to ask you a, what might be a difficult question then. Do you... Do you have a do you have a preference? Like do you would do you wish it would just keep going the way it is, or do you wish it would just like switch over? Or is it just is it difficult? Because what I'm hearing you say is that sometimes I eat and I give myself insulin and I don't even need it, and sometimes I need it and there's no way to know until. Oh well, now now I have to take insulin at every meal. But no. when I first started on insulin, I didn't necessarily have to take it at every meal. But absolutely now I have to take it so, at every meal. So what's better? Was it better before or is it better now? Um, it's better now because I have a better, because I have a better, one, I have a better understanding of it, but two, I'm, I'm like what I knew was diabetes as, what diabetes was as a child from my dad. Because with my dad having it, I knew my dad took insulin before every meal and then he took nighttime insulin. And so this makes sense. So this makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. It's almost like, you know, do do you want to? Would you want to date somebody who, you know, once a month went nuts and yelled and screamed, or would you just want to be with somebody who was nutty every day? So at least you you knew that was, <laughs> exactly. was going to yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. At least there was an expectation, like something crazy is going to happen today. I, you know, I wonder when. Um, geez, that's nuts. And so, in your email, you were talking about you're thinking about getting an insulin pump. Yeah, it's. Um, I've been looking into it, and I was really excited to hear your insulin interview the other day. That was awesome because a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the questions and issues I was having with the Dex with the with the Omnipod, and she actually answered that like we're working on it, we're working on it. I was like, oh yay! It's so funny. And Omnipod aside for a second, but it's you know, I think you get a lot of your information online from people who have knowledge, which is which is excellent, but sometimes it's difficult to separate the people who are just online complaining because they've run into a problem that they haven't figured out yet. And somebody who's kind of seasoned with something and can actually give you good, like good feedback. That's, that's based in, in perspective, you, you know? Yeah. And, and so, and it's the internet. So who doesn't love the complaint on the internet? And then, so you go <laughs> looking for information and like you see everyone's complaints, no matter what it is. And then, you know, in five minutes, I could talk myself out of anything using, using the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And so that's why I thought it was neat to have her just let her go and go. Actually, um, I think in a couple of weeks, I'm going to interview uh, a gentleman named Rob who also works at Omnipod. And he's one of the initial um, inventors of the device. And we're going to talk a lot about um, uh, the future and what they're shooting for. But I'm also, I think I'm also going to talk to him a little more nuts and bolts about like how to really use it to get the most out of it. You, you, you know, like, like I, mm -hmm. I, I feel like I'm going to have, you know, the guy that built the airplane. So he could probably tell me how to make it go faster, like that kind of thing. So that, I hope that'll be interesting too. So you are looking at an Omnipod? Yeah. Well, I was, I was until I finally saw that the minimum bill is like 85 units and I do not use nearly that. Uh, I'm like, I kind of divided that. I kind of 
So I use like maybe 15 units is probably, I think, what I would use in a day. So it's only like 45 every three days. So I'm like, I would be wasting half of my insulin well, what supply. About, um, <laughs> what about your, so you use about 45 fast acting units? No. So I in like. To, or in total, so if like, you're slow and fast. Yeah. So I only use about, I use, so on a typical day, I would take about six units of fast acting insulin. And then I take two units of long acting long acting insulin at nighttime. Well, it's a, it's such a, <laughs> and, but, but we also yeah. expect that to increase Yeah. as time goes on. Okay. Because at some point you'll be in the same, you'll be in the same boat as everyone else that has type one, where you'll be, you'll need large. I mean, because you're an adult, you'll need large amounts of insulin yeah. for food and, and, and all that stuff. It's, it, it is even really, it, it's difficult for me as someone who, who, you know, takes care of a, like a little kid with diabetes because when I stop and think back to when Arden was first diagnosed and it was drops and quarters of units and stuff like that. Yeah, actually. So my, the pin that I use, I actually use the Novo Nordics pin echo, which is the kid's pin because it, it dials up to half units. So I can, you can use, I only need a half, I only need a half unit. I can only, only have to take a half unit. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's funny though, because when you, when you're using a little bit, see here I'm here's the maybe the only place I have perspective for you is when you're using a little bit, it's so difficult to imagine a day when it'll be more. Y you know what I mean? Like like when when you're when you're when Arden's usage was like you're talking about, like, you know, her basal rates were like point one zero an hour. And, wow. You know, that's and little. Yeah, like nothing. And yeah. And I you know, I still, I'll never forget taking out, even before in insulin pumps, taking out a syringe and practicing, like drawing up like drops of insulin because even like a half a unit was way too much. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then in that moment, you know, when someone says to you, yo, one day you'll be bolusing, you know, so much more for this. And now I think a, an average meal for Arden takes at least six units of insulin. But so, yeah, yeah. But but a year ago it was four, and one yeah. day and one day it's gonna she'll be an adult and and I'll see her pushing you know like thirty units of insulin it'll probably freak me out. <laughs> well, you want to know something a little crazy? My dad takes about six units of insulin. That's his baseline at his meals. Oh, so he doesn't need very much either. <laughs> no, my dad's actually a brittle but a brittle type one. Yeah. That's interesting. Does he use a Dexcom by any chance? Um, no. So my father actually, unfortunately, um had some brain trauma while I was in high school, not high school, in college, and is now on Medicare okay. and on is um, on medical disability. And so we are waiting till we can find out when he can actually get one. So Well, and that's getting closer too, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yes. The, that's actually the Medicare um, can't, covering CGMs is, is getting closer. I mean, it's not fast enough, obviously, but yeah. it looks so much more hopeful now than it did even a year ago. Yep. So... Okay, I just had this thought. When you said that, you're like, my dad had brain trauma when I was in high school. I was like, oh my God, does anything go right for you people? Is there one happy story you have over there? <laughs> Did you ever find like 20 bucks on the ground or? <laughs> uh, well, I guess my sister and I, I mean, we both completed a marathon, so. That's very that was cool. Good. That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and you, have, you live in Kansas City, so the barbecue is great. And yes. Well, most people like the barbecue. I don't really like the barbecue, oh but that's because they put sauce on it. If they would just leave, give me the meat just by itself, I would be perfectly yeah, happy. Carolyn, you just ruined it. You had you had, <laughs> you had you had Casey barbecue going for you, then you told me you didn't like it. Well, every 
it's it's the best barbecue in the country. I'm not gonna lie, but I just don't want the sauce on it. All right, All right. listen, <laughs> I can't argue with it. I'm just saying I was looking for a silver lining for you. Um, hey, the Royals won. My team won. You know what? World Series. Let's, it was exciting. There you go. I'm giving you that. You you that was very Jesus <laughs> God. That's terrible. And the dog that was crying. Yes, he was named after the pitcher. Was he? Yes. That's nice. I, they were so good. I don't want to, I don't, I'm sure most people <laughs> listen to this don't care about baseball, but man, the Royals were really good the last couple of years. Yes. Um, it's been awesome. Yeah, I can't imagine because I live in Philadelphia, around Philadelphia, um, <laughs> and I'm a Philadelphia fan. I can't even imagine what the happiness you're talking about feels like, but um, it looks amazing when you watch it on television. There's that, that team is full of giant boys that are like men. You know, yes. like guys in their early twenties that look all look like they're lumberjacks that can fly. It, it, yes, that they, really is a collection of players. You know, you're going to lose them, right? I know. Yeah, yeah like great. People it'll are going to come. Another, it'll be another thirty years, and my kids will be my age when this happens. So, when the Phillies were in the in the World Series in two thousand and eight, we were, we were my son, my son was um, my son was eight years old. And, you know, he liked it. He was very interested. But at one point, he got up towards the end of the last game, and he started moving around. And I looked at him. I was like, look, man, you better sit down and watch this because this is never going to happen again. <laughs> I said, I really think I was your age the last time they won. And and um, and I remember saying to him, my dad's dead now. <laughs> so oh. I was like, oh, no. I was, I was trying to make the point, like, listen, oh. the next time this happens, there's going to be a, a giant changeover. And then, of course, they made it back to the World Series the next year. And sarcastically, he came to me during one of the games, and he's like, I thought you'd be dead the next time this happened. And I was like, oh. okay, <laughs> I see. I see what's happening. That's horrible. Nah, well, he's got a sarcastic sense of humor, so there's not a lot I can do about it. You know, when I talk about the Omnipod, I always talk about, like, you know, you don't want to have to disconnect to play sports or go swimming and... It's easier to wear clothes and, you know, and then last episode in episode 68, I was talking to Nikki and, and Nikki's little girl, Bella. She wanted to switch to the Omnipod from her tubed insulin pump because she was starting to get a lot of inquiries from little kids and they were wondering what was on her pants and what's this tube for. And she started getting really self-conscious about it. And I have to admit, because that's not something that my daughter deals with. I don't think about that very often, but Man, I really thought about it a lot after after I got done talking to Nikki about her daughter. So there are a lot of great therapeutic reasons that you might want to try the Omnipod demo. Um, but, you know, I I guess if if your privacy is, is of the utmost importance to you and you're not looking to share with the world that you have type 1 diabetes, maybe this is the most important reason. So to try a free demo of the Omnipod, which is the world's only tubeless insulin pump. You can go to all the links in the show notes or myomnipod.com forward slash demo. And uh, they'll send you out a free um, a, a free demo pod. It's non-working, but you can put it on to see how it, you know how you feel and how you like it. It's very simple. And, and then if you're already using a tube pump, they'll help you switch. And if you're thinking of getting into insulin pumping for the first time, they'll help you get started. All right, links in the show notes, myomnipod.com forward slash demo. And I hope that you find comfort with your insulin pump. I, I, I never thought of it before like that, but but Bella's story really made me think about it. And if you haven't heard it, it's uh, it's episode 68 of the podcast. It's, it's definitely worth listening to. Okay, back to Carol, and let's see if like an anvil falls on her head like in those Bugs Bunny cartoons. I want to walk through a day with you a little bit. 
Yeah. So when when do you consider the start of your diabetes day? When do you um, like when does the Levamir go in? And at night, or do you split it, or in the morning? Um, no, I. Um, so for me, my day starts um, when I wake up in the morning. Um, now that I have my Dexcom, I look at my Dexcom to kind of give me an idea of where I'm at, and um, then I get breakfast and I try to eat somewhere between 30 and 45 carbs for breakfast and take about two units, two and a half units of insulin, depending on what I'm eating. And then I may have a snack or between breakfast and lunch. I want to stop you at breakfast. So, so you get up in the morning and what do you normally see as your overnight? Are you pretty steady overnight? Um, Oh no, no, No. you have an up and down. (laughs) So what, where are you shooting for overnight? Where are you trying to keep your blood sugar? Um, I like to keep my blood sugars uh, daily around um, under 160. Um, and now I'm actually going to even try to use my Dexcom to set it to like 140. So that way I can react to it before it gets to 160. I love so that. So kind of like using it like as a guard banding system. Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, yeah. if like I said a million times, if you can keep it at 160, you could probably keep it at 140. So yeah. Um, and so on and so forth. So, okay. So overnight you get up, is there an adjustment usually that needs to be made in the morning or, or like when you're bolus or <clears throat> excuse me, bolusing, when you're injecting for, for breakfast, are you, you're, you're sometimes around 160 or so. Do you pre, do you give that injection to yourself prior to the food or right as you're eating or how do you handle that? Um, so usually by the time I've waken up, I'm usually like in the one you know, in the nineties, one twenties, but I have before, like I woke up one morning and I was, um, I think I'd forgotten to take my love mirror the night before. And I woke up and I was 160 and I went ahead and gave myself a half a unit of insulin and got ready and didn't bother to eat breakfast until I got to work. And by then I was down where I could actually eat breakfast. Okay. So. And do you, do you inject before the food or yes. how far before? Um, so I was doing it, um, like 10 to 15 minutes before, but I started noticing on the Dexcom that my blood sugars actually weren't coming up as quickly as they, they were kind of just stay, I would get low and they would just kind of stay there and then I would end up spiking, um, a little bit more. So I actually started taking it a little closer to my meals, Mm -hmm. um, like usually like right before I eat. And that's because I think I still have some functioning, um, beta cells that are still inject you know secreting insulin when they're the brain tells the pancreas there's food there coming that's interesting because yeah. with, with the type one that 15 minutes you know is that's about standard for arden about 15 minutes prior yeah and, and um and and it really does now the dogs are drinking we have a dog a thon going on here your dog's <laughs> wine basil just ran across the floor and is drinking water which i'm assuming everyone can hear and maybe they can and maybe they can't um but basil Buddy, are you dehydrated? <laughs> um, and so, okay, so you you get insulin for breakfast. You were seeing a lo- like you were getting a little low that was kind of hanging on, and then a spike. But now you're not seeing that as much. After breakfast, where do you see your blood sugar go to normally before it, it levels off? And does it level off and stay, or does it level off and come back down? Um, it'll kind of. Uh, so for me, I actually go down before I come back up. Um, so sometimes I'll kind of still sit in the sixties and seventies before it'll come back up, but then it'll, depending on what I ate and how fast the insulin got into the system and how fast the food got into the system, I can go up. I kind of see this nice kind of little 
like normal bell curve kind almost looking kind of shapes that'll go up to like 150 and then come back down okay. before lunchtime. Yeah. How long do you stay around 150? Uh, not, not too, not too often, not too, like maybe half an, maybe 20, half an hour, minutes, half an hour. Um, now if I don't take, now if I'm really having some issues, like I first started when I was on the Dexcom and still getting used to the Levin Murin stuff. Um, actually the very first day I had the Dexcom on, I got in it, like it actually told me, it actually told me I had a low blood sugar and I had no idea. So that was doing, it was doing its job. It yeah, yeah. You couldn't feel it, but it was see now. <laughs> yeah. After, so I don't know if this surprises people or not, but getting a little, getting a little low on the Dexcom after a meal, 60 or 70, I know that seems low, but if you, Oh no, this was, I was in the forties in the forties. That's too low. Okay. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> and because what I was going to say is that if, if you dip down, <clears throat> my finding is if, if, I pre-bolus Arden, say, 15 minutes before, and say she's 110. And 15 minutes, she starts eating, and she's gone down to 75. And that 75 appears to hold for 30 minutes before it starts rising back up to around 90. I'm pretty certain, and I should test at some point with a meter just to check, but I'm pretty certain that when that thing says she's 75, I don't think she's that low. Like I no, think because yeah. the food, because the food is working and and and, the, and there is a bit of a you know I don't want to call it a lag but the Dexcom do, is not reporting in absolute real time yeah and so Absolutely. and so it is a couple minutes behind so if so if the blood sugar hits seventy five fifteen minutes after the pre bolus and then the food comes in and five or ten minutes later it starts pulling you back up again and then you see twenty minutes later oh look I'm ninety I'm assuming she's 90 more like 20 minutes later. And I don't have a problem with her blood sugar being 75, you know, for a few minutes while she's eating. It's not like she doesn't have any symptoms. She doesn't feel like she's low. And to be perfectly honest, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people who don't have diabetes who are walking around, you know, before they eat and their blood sugar is 75 or 80. So, um, that's really cool. Okay. So, okay. So you breakfast and then when you get to lunch, is it, what what do you see on that graph? I know you haven't had the Dexcom for long, but are you pretty steady and happy with your blood sugar when you get to lunchtime then? Um, so I typically have to actually get a snack between breakfast and lunch. To, um, to combat a low? Yeah, not yeah, it's not like too usually it's not too low. Like if I get down to like in the eighties or so, I know I'm like it's it'll usually almost be like right at like two and a half hours and I won't have lunch for like another hour and a half or two hours. So I usually am taking a snack just to kind of keep me from getting too low before I get to lunch. Just to hold that, that number. Yeah. I think that's something that, that a lot of people see, honestly. Um, okay. And so you get the lunch you, and the process happens over again. And then there's a, yep. long, a longer gap between lunch and dinner. So Is, yeah, another snack. <laughs> yeah. And, and around four o'clock, like that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Around three or four o'clock. Yeah. I get another snack. Yeah. I yeah. think Arden, I think Arden needs food between three and four o'clock almost every day. Absolutely. It, it, really yeah. is, it really is. It's like, it's almost like clockwork kind of thing. Like, you know, then of course there's a day it doesn't happen and you're just, you're sitting and looking at that blood sugar that you're like, Oh, it's going to fall. It's going to fall. It's going to fall. It never falls. Well, does she, does she eat lunch pretty early? Not this, Well, that's the, the terrible thing about school is they change her lunch every year. Yes. So last yeah. year, last year in fifth grade, she was eating at 1040 in the morning. That's too early. Uh, like, I'm not even. <laughs> and I was like, she would say that too. She goes, 
I'm not even hungry when we have lunch. And I'm like, no, I understand. This year, she doesn't eat till 1245. And this yeah. year, this year's, the 1245 part's not bad. Be, and ironically, Arden's not a big breakfast eater, but she doesn't, none of my kids seem to want to have a lot of food in the, in the morning. Like, it's not something, people don't wake up in this house going, oh my God, I'm famished, I have to eat. Like, you know, I, when I was their age, I really wasn't hungry for breakfast all the time either. Right, right. So they'll grab yeah. some, you know, they'll grab a piece of fruit or something like that. But there's no like, there's not a lot of big meals early in the morning here. So the twelve forty five lunch isn't a problem. Um, but the the problem is is that right after lunch she has gym. So oh yeah, and so there's Definitely. this. And so there's this one. I, I, you know, when they handed out the schedule, I was like, I don't want to be a pain. I, I can probably negotiate this. And there is that part of me that's like, well, it'll be like a new challenge. I'll figure something else out here, which I have. Um, but, you know, you're pre-bolusing at 12, 25. She's starting to eat around 12, 40. And then by 1, 20, she's running around. And so yeah. there's, there's a real like onus to be right about the insulin for lunch <laughs> because because the other thing is is that for about 20 minutes during gym there's a gap in her CGM coverage where I don't I can't see her blood sugar anymore. Oh goodness! And so it's 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 literally right at the worst time of the day it could possibly. Yeah. Happen. But I've learned to deal with it, um, and it has been it has been okay. But but then she'll get home from school around four, and she's either going to fall in the next 15 minutes or she's not. And you never know what, what which is going to be. Goodness. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so, okay. So the same thing happens. You get kind of like, you know, kind of low there in the afternoon. Um, big meals. Do you, are you, are you, are you, are you uh, what do you, are you, are you like, I don't want to eat too many carbs or you eat what you want or are you kind of figuring it out still? Um. So when they were, so when they thought I was a type two, they took me, they sent me to a, um, a dietitian. And um, I don't know, I think maybe um, some type 1 diabetics call it constant carbs. So I take, I eat about 30, 45 carbs at every meal and then about a 15 to 30 carb snack, depending on where my blood sugar is at or how long it's been till, how long it's been from the last meal or how long it's going to be till the next meal, well, how that do sort you, of stuff. How do you handle, um, like, what would you do if you, you know, somebody's like, hey, we're going out to dinner and you went with them and they took you to a pizza place. And would you just try to eat 40 carbs of pizza or would you make an adjustment? Or are you not up to that yet? Oh, uh, so um, I, I, I think I think I have pizza figured out because my husband and I like to get pizza quite a bit. Um, so I have learned because I used to be able to eat like four slices because I was just like, it's pizza. I'm hungry. But now I've gotten to the point where I try to do a salad, and, and because thanks to the internet, I have figured out that a piece, a Pizza Hut medium slice of pizza is around 30 carbs. So I'm eating about, so for two slices, it's about 60 carbs, so I would take like four units of insulin. Yeah. I, yeah. You just reminded me, I, I eat like a Girl Scout, because when you said four slices, I was like, oh my God, that would have, I would that would knock me right over. I can, <laughs> I can barely get the second slice. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I'm hungry, and I want it, and I get Well, that's like, why I, that was why I was 25 pounds overweight <laughs> oh, when I got sick. <laughs> you, think, you think I'm not 25 pounds overweight? <laughs> um Wow. Okay. So you're, so it is all coming together, and but right now, you're in a real state of flux. Like, it's just... 
you're at the the mercy of when the beta cells in your pancreas are going to stop working. And yep. and that's just how you're going to live until that happens. So um how how has it been with your husband? Like like is he involved? I'm always interested in this with adults. Is he involved with what you're doing or is he just kind of a silent cheerleader on the side if you need something? Do you want him involved? Do you um, not want to move <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? It's such an, yeah, I find it to be a really interesting question. Well, it's been a really interest, um, interesting dynamic. I mean, obviously, I was not diabetic when we first got married. Um, but he knew my dad, he knew my dad was diabetic. And so when I came home and told him, I was like, I have diabetes. When I came home from the appointment, because I was there by myself, he go, I'm like, I have diabetes. He's like, he just kind of looked like he had this um, deer in a headlights kind of look like, oh, sure. Okay, so what does that mean? I'm like, well, it means I'm going to, like, they've gave me this metformin. I'm going to have to start watching what I'm eating. And um, he's, so that, so that for the while, that's kind of all, like, all of his involvement um, really was before that. I mean, he's never gone to an endocrinologist visit with me. I would like him just to go meet her at some point. We'll see. Um, but so I was going to say, is there space in this diagnosis for him? And you think there would be, and you feel like that's, would you like so, him to come so he understood better or just moral support or what would you, uh, just, just moral support. But yeah. it's been really interesting. Like when I, like I've had him, I've shown him how to check my blood sugars I think he's, I think he's got a needle, I think he's got a phobia of needles, because he's afraid of, like, checking my blood sugar, if I've ever asked him to do it. Um, he doesn't like to watch me take my insulin. And the Dexcom, I was, was definitely a challenge when I was first telling him about it. He was like, you're gonna wear a needle inside of your body for a week at a time. Like, you should have said no, yeah. it's a, it's a wire, <laughs> not a needle. So well, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> and it's very but, tiny. But that's, um, so he's, so that, from that, from that hardware perspective, he's been really kind of freaked out about it, but it was really funny. Just, um, I think just a few nights ago, we went out for a walk after I'd had a high blood sugar and, um, just to kind of help bring it down faster because I was getting close to bedtime and I showed him, I was like, look, it went out, you know, it's, it's finally like headed back down the other way. And he's like. And I've literally had this for, you know, for, you know, at the time it was like three weeks and it was, he was like, I can't imagine what our life was like before this thing. This thing is awesome. Yeah. So. And so he is, he, so you think, and I think that's, I, I, it makes sense to me that it would take time for someone, if it's not you, if it's not you being told you have an illness, because that shocks you into, into motion that, you know, you have to deal right away. If it was somebody else, I could see it taking a little time to understand, but I also think and let me just say this gently, because you're in control of your lady parts, you could probably get them over, you know what I mean? Like if you just like shut certain things down, like that kind of stuff, started getting dressed in the bathroom before bed, like in privacy, coming out in a very long gown that looks like a woman would wear in the 20s, I bet you he could get over the testing your blood sugar thing quicker. If you, I'm uh, sure he could. But, yeah, I um, bet you could motivate him if you wanted to. Yeah. But I, so I think also, again, because my dad had diabetes and... I mean, I remember being a little kid and sitting on his lap, be like, Dad, could I check your blood sugar? And I would help. And like, he'd actually let me like plunge the insulin into his arm or whatever. And so I think just because I grew up with a family history, 
that I have a better understanding and management of it that he just doesn't even work. Think I don't think he thinks about it Certainly. as much. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I you know I can remember being after Arden's diagnosed in the hospital when somebody was like, I think I forget how they taught us how to give injections. Like I think there was like they took like a terry cloth towel and rolled it up really tight and taped it like an arm, and they were like, okay, plunge it in, and then it was a banana or something like that. And and there is a surreal feeling while you're doing it. Like you've got this needle in your hand, and you're like, what am I doing? You, you know, like like yeah, <laughs> like two days ago. Like, what am I doing? You, you, you know, it just, it does feel very different. But I also think it's one of those things that if you start doing it, it very quickly becomes more normal. I mean, I think if he, if he checked your blood sugar a few times, whatever phobia he had would probably go away. I think if you told him, look, dude, I could, I could, I could pass out and you're going to need to do this. Like, you, you know, like if that happens, then you know, what are you going to do? You're going to look at me and go, wow, I wish I would have paid closer attention when she was trying to tell me about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, he had like, um, so actually at Thanksgiving, I actually had a low blood sugar before bedtime. And I just, um, I have the follow app set up on his phone and I was like, Hey, if I start getting, you know, if it starts beeping at you, wake up, make, wake me up and make sure I'm at least coherent. If it's, but if it starts getting too low, like actually like get me up out of bed and make sure that I go get something to eat. Do you think that that's because I try to? I mean, I think this is something we all wonder about. Anybody who's using insulin and 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 has people in their lives who don't use it or or aren't really closely attached to it, not just spouses and things. But do you think that there's there's a disconnect between the idea of like if I get low, like do you think that sounds kind of like not nearly what it really is? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, do you think if you said to him, "Hey, if I get to the point where," there's not going to be enough sugar in my brain to keep me alive. Would you please let me know? Do you think he, do you, do you think he would go, Oh wow, that seems more serious. You, you know, like, because it's one of those like tight ropes. Like I think everyone walks, like, you want people to look at you like there's nothing wrong with you because you can live the same life as everybody else can. But at the same time, that is the real honesty of it. You know, if, if I have too much insulin and it takes too much sugar out of my blood that sugar is the energy that keeps my brain going. And my brain could just, like, shut off like a light switch. Yeah, and he, and he does. I mean, he did take it pretty seriously. Like, right. it's kind of sad around 65 or 70. He's like, you're at 65. Are you still awake? And I think one time I felt his hand, like, in front of my face, like, <laughs> checking my breath because I wasn't – I was so tired I wasn't moving. Well, if you ever wake up so. and see someone who looks like you, don't be scared. That's a mirror he's holding in front of your face. <laughs> Well, it sounds like it really does sound like to me like he's 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 figuring it out and you are too. Yeah. You know. Yep. It is really interesting to talk to you this early in the process. Like um, you know, it, it's easy to talk to somebody who's like, "Oh, I just do this, 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 it all works out for me." But to hear to hear how this started and how you get sent down though, and which I think is very common for people who have lot of you know which is that somebody they start off telling them they have type 1 or they have type 2 and then it 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 kind of comes back to this space. And you just really, for the lack of a better term, you're getting jerked around by by your body and by a doctor. And then, you know, all of a sudden there's an answer, but the answer is so inspecific and, and constantly moving and fluid. I don't know. I, I, how are you? I guess my last question, because we are coming up on an hour, but I, yeah. I really want to know, um, how are you handling it, like, personally, like, psychologically? Are you are you okay? Or um, are there days no, where you're just like, what the heck? Um, so I think actually, I'm actually handling it better now than I did at the beginning because with, I mean, I just, 
So I want to actually kind of explain how I found out about the CGM first. I actually was starting. So my husband and I were trying to, we were wanting to start a family. Mm-hmm. And so I found, um, I found like one book on diabetes, you know, for women that had, was about diet, you know, if you have diabetes and you want to get, pre- you know, if you're thinking about getting pregnant here, read this book. It was like the one book that I could find. And in it, it kept referencing the Diabetic Athletes Handbook written by um, Sherry Kohlberg. And um, I was training for a half marathon because when I got sick, I was like, you know what? Activity is really good for blood sugars. And I wasn't and I wasn't on it. Yeah, I wasn't on insulin. So I was like, hey, we'll just, you know, we'll start training for a half marathon. So I found this book. This. um book and that's where I found out about the CGM I was like that would be awesome I'm like because I only see my blood sugar like after I've ate some food because when I first was on the metformin um they were having me check my blood sugars after just to kind of see what different foods were doing to my body but I was like this would be awesome I'm not on any insulin so I could catch the lows faster or if I'm you know high in the middle of the day and at work where I can't really do a whole lot I can at least get up and walk around if it starts getting to where I don't like it stop stop guessing what your blood sugar is yeah Yeah. so like I went into the endocrinologist and asked about it she's like well you're not having enough lows that I don't think you would qualify for one and I was like really (laughs) and that was at the beginning so it was really difficult just checking my blood sugar when I wasn't you know when I was just on the metformin and trying to figure out okay I'm 80 now, but what's this going to be like when after I eat or, you know, was I at sitting at 60 for like two hours and it's just now coming back up? It's interesting, um, isn't it? That they don't, they don't want to give you a Dexcom in some insurances um, to keep yourself healthy, but they'll give you one to stop you from dying. It's, yeah. it's, it's it, it, isn't that the same thing? You, you know, you know, so yeah. it's, but so what, what was the, um, how did you make? How did she make the Dexcom okay for you through the insurance? What, um, did you, was it Lowe's or did she just? So they actually. So she finally, um, after I had been on the insulin for a while, and I was, I just wasn't happy with the way my blood sugars. I was seeing my blood sugars going. So she did a um, a blind CGM with um, one of the Medtronic CGMs for like I think five days, mm-hmm. and that's that just happened to me. The, the time when I stacked my insulin. Um, so they had, so they had it on record, but I still didn't really go back and follow up with it. And then I had been, and that's when I found out about your podcast. I just happened to be looking for other, I was been listening to one podcast and I was looking for, I was like, wonder if I could find one about diabetes and I found yours and you were talking about being like, kind of being your own patient advocate. And I was like, well, I can do that. This is something I really want. You know, at this point, I was, you know, at that point, I was already on insulin. I was having blood sugars that I wasn't happy with. So my sister and I were headed, I ended up going to our one walk here in Kansas City for JDRF. And they had the Dexcom, they had a Dexcom vendor there. So I picked up the paperwork, you know, I picked up the paperwork and got, so I kind of did the legwork on my own. And they you. just sent the, they sent the paperwork to my doctor and she signed off on That's it. So excellent. congratulations. That really Thanks. is excellent. I feel, I don't normally feel good about myself, but this I'm really happy for myself right now. I was like, I can't believe I said something that helped you. Um, yeah. and, but, but joking aside, like I, that's really fantastic. And that's what everyone needs to do. You gotta, you gotta go in there swinging and just be like, look, this is what's going to happen. 
Um, and wow, good for you. That's a great place to leave this. It really is because, yeah. because you took control and, and you said to them, you know, I, I need to feel better. I need to do a better job of my health and this thing's going to help me. So you have, you yeah. know, you have to. And, um, and I'm, and I actually called my CDE to have her show me how to, in the, for the first one, cause they sent everything to my house. I was like, I called my CDE and it's like, could you show me or at least watch me do this for the first time to make sure I'm doing it correctly. And then actually asked her about the insulin pumps while I was there. So, well, I would say this too, yeah. and because you said earlier that you were really you you felt really interested in in Omnipod, but then you found out you have to fill it with a minimum of eighty units. And I know it's wasteful; it feels really wasteful to throw away thirty five units of insulin every three days. But and this is going to sound horrible to people who have trouble getting insulin. But in your situation with a good with insurance, you know, if, if that's what it takes, you're your endo will just write you a script for more insulin. Yes, yeah, I know. Yeah. So, and I know yeah. how you feel. I'm not trying to discount. <laughs> I'm not trying to discount your feelings about not wanting to waste it. Yeah. I, I completely understand that. But if you get to the point where you're looking at pumps, and you've chosen one, and this is the one you absolutely want, except for this one caveat, they will be. They will help you with it. If that's, yeah. If that's how. I you mean, I was kind. Of, I was kind of excited when uh, JC had mentioned that they were thinking about doing a smaller tank pod. Yes. I was like, I'm sitting here thinking though, I'm like, but don't call it a pediatric pod because there's adults that would want one of those. Yeah, and I think, <laughs> I think that would be very obvious. Like, yeah, I don't know if people yeah. understand. Like, Shacey, um from Insulate, she's the CCO of Insulate. We one of the questions I asked her in a previous um, episode was, you know, can you can you make one with a smaller tank because a lot of people don't need that much insulin. It's you know, and I brought it up from a pediatric version because that's where the question came from. But obviously. Uh, people like you who have LADA would really benefit from it too. Yeah. So, well, yep. maybe, maybe that'll happen. I'll uh, I'll I'll push the when I when I talk to Rob from Insulin off. That would be great. I'll ping him about it again for you. Yeah. All right, Carolyn. Thank you so much for doing this. I really well. Do thanks for having me. It's been a blast. You're welcome. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Please uh, find me online on Twitter or Facebook. Juicebox Podcast or Arden's Day is my type 1 diabetes blog at Arden's Day or at Juicebox Podcast. It's a great way to keep up with things. Uh, thank you so much for sponsoring the podcast, Omnipod, and for showing your support throughout the rest of the year and hopefully beyond. But Omnipod has pledged their support for the Juicebox Podcast by buying ads on it for the rest of 2016. So you will be getting a podcast at least once a week for the rest of the year. And I am able to bring that to you in large part due to the um, to the advertisements that Omnipod brings. So give them a look. Uh, check out myomnipod.com forward slash demo to see about getting your own demo pod. It's non-functioning, but it's cool. And you can put it on and figure out how it looks and works and feels. Or there's links in your show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. So mad respect to them for supporting the podcast and the diabetes community in general. Also, let's give them a shout out for their new app. Um, and while Basil snores the background. So their new app is for right now, it's for iPad only, Toby's T1D Tail. It's um, an educational resource geared towards kids with and without type 1 diabetes to help them learn more about diabetes. It's for newly um, diagnosed families and their children. It's great. Uh, they, it actually has a read to me function. And uh, they're planning on expanding it as the year goes on. So download it now. Get in early. It's really cute and, um, and informative. And there'll be more as it goes. 
that's pretty much it. So check out that link in the show notes. And thank you, Omnipod, for sponsoring the Juice Box Podcast. I will see you next week with an all-new episode. I'll tell you what. Stay here while I ramble, and I will pick what's going to be on next week while you're listening. This is the mad genius of this podcast. It is hardly planned in any way. Let's see what we get here. All right, I found the folder with the podcast in it. Hmm. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. Next week, you're going to hear from a guy named Ryan, and Ryan's wife. Um, oh, it's too boring. Uh, break your heart. All right, I can't tell you about that one. Hold on a second. Um, all right, it's definitely going to be Ryan next week. Or a follow-up episode. Or Aaron. I liked Aaron a lot. I also like Tyler. Sharon. All right, I'm going to have to pick later. I can't. There's too many good episodes in the can, as they say. See you next week. <laughs>